Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envy.
envious eyes. Perception is the key, and the heart yeah. is the solution. Heart perception will change everything. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. If you'd like to contact The Secret Teachings, you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. Find us on social media by searching facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. And check out our website at www.thesecretteachings.info where you can find our full list of shows in the archive, along with our montages, top news stories, and more, including my books, all of it at www.thesecretteachings.info. I've got the new copy of The Technological Elixir in the process of being re-edited and republished at the moment. You can grab a copy of that book on the website, free shipping in the United States, and I'd be happy to autograph it for you. The Technological Elixir looks at a number of subjects from the philosophy of mankind throughout history and the transformation of theological dogma into scientific dogma into an anti-human, post-human dogma, which takes us into symbols and movies and occultism, that of which my book Occult Arcana explains in great detail. And in my book, Occult Arcana, which has become the, the best seller by lots and lots and lots and lots of purchases, uh, I've, I can't even keep the thing in stock now. I'm having to order uh, dozens and dozens of copies at once. Occult Arcana kind of started out as a book where I really wanted to write something about the holidays. Because the word holiday, which comes from the English holiday means holy day. And I guess it depends on your perception, but depending on what your culture is and what your beliefs are and what part of the world you live in, if you live in the northern hemisphere or southern hemisphere, the seasons change differently. And when you look at the holidays... They are typically associated with the transformation of nature through natural cycles. So you have solar activity, lunar activity. You have the revolving of the planets around the sun, the tilt of the Earth's axis. In other words, and I made this argument in my Occult Arcana book, which is on the website for sale at thesecretteachings.info, mythology, which was early man's attempt to both entertain and to preserve sacred knowledge or sacred wisdom. And in mythology are descriptions of natural events, storms, floods, whatever it might be, that are told in story form. So mythology is science in a sense because science is an observation of the natural world. It's an attempt to understand how natural phenomena occur, what is behind them, what's behind the wind blowing, what's behind lightning. And that scientific understanding, as told through myth, which is also entertaining, has been passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation to the moment in time 
that we experience right now in this current moment. And we know those stories, whether they are stories of the spirit and soul and the essence of the spirit and soul being of a divine nature as told in stories like Beauty and the Beast or similar stories told in the German fairy tale Schneewittchen or Snow White. The story of Cinderella goes back to Egypt and before. These are stories that convey deeper meanings, and they're not always scientific, of course. Many of them are philosophical. Many of them are occult in nature and also by implication of what they represent to the subconscious symbols that help to awaken the subconscious and help to direct the conscious mind in its daily operations, which is why magicians use the symbols that they use. They use the wand to direct the will, the sword to direct the mind because the sword is sharp, the pentacle, which represents the body, and then, of course, the cup or the chalice, which obtains the nightly perspirations of nature, if you will, the the dew of the alchemists that is essentially the remnants of the work of the gods overnight, but it is the divine influence which pours down from the heavens into the chalice. And those four symbols are very, very important. You see them in tarot. Probably most most people know tarot. A lot of people that don't even necessarily understand occultism or study occultism, uh, they like to practice or play with or at least look at tarot cards. And so you have the wand, the sword, the pentacle, and you have the cup. Or they are, you know, uh, talked about in different ways in different types of tarot decks. If you get one on herbs or you get one on, you know, different kinds of uh, subjects. Uh, I just got a a crow tarot deck for my birthday. Hope got me a crow tarot deck, which is is really cool. It's it's very loaded with symbolism. And every single card is a crow within some symbolic representation of whatever that card represents, you know. So, you know, I was looking through that crow tarot deck and um it got me back in the mood of of reading this book i was reading called a, a witch's bible and so i got the tarot deck for my birthday and i had i had started reading a witch's bible by janet and stuart farrer the subtitle is the complete witch's handbook which i referenced in my book occult arcana I had started reading it and something pulled my attention away. Another book I was reading a couple of weeks ago, something pulled my attention away to read something else. But right where I stopped in the book was essentially a a perfect place to stop because I had completed the chapter on Imbolc, also known as Imbolc or Condelmas or Brigid Day or Brigid's Day, which is the midpoint between Yule, the winter solstice, and Ostara, the spring equinox. Imbolc, technically, I guess it depends on your calendar and your perception of time and how you like to celebrate if you celebrate these traditional holy days. Imbolc takes place on the 1st of February into the 2nd of February. So technically, February 2nd is Imbolc, the holy day. And the 1st in the evening of the 1st is when the, the holiday or holy day celebration begins. Kind of like Christmas Eve is not, of course, Christmas, but Christmas Eve is almost, you know, more energetically important or dominant than Christmas Day. You know, it's kind of like the day before your birthday. 
my birthday was uh, on the 30th of January, and I felt like the day before my birthday, uh, there was like more energy there because you're leading up to it. And then once it happens, you know, the morning of when you wake up, everything from that point on is just the countdown till it's not your birthday, till it's not Christmas. In the case of Imbolc, though, Imbolc is the midpoint between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. And this is something that I talked about in my book, Occult Arcana, quite a bit. Uh, there's very little reference to Imbolc, but I talked about what Imbolc and Ostara, Beltane, Letha, Luknasad, Mabon, Samhain, and Yule all mean what they represent. These are the eight Sabbaths, or the eight holy days of pagans, of even Christians. Christians celebrate these holy days too. They just do it under different names. Um, even in voodoo, I have a chapter on voodoo in my Occult Arcana book too, and I was reading a little bit about Imbolc before the show tonight, and I forgot about um, the voodoo loa, which is a spirit uh, or an entity. And in voodoo, Maimon Bridget is essentially the voodoo version of the Catholic Saint Bridget of Kildar, or just known as Saint Bridget, one of the patron saints of Ireland. Now, of course, Imbolc is a Gaelic celebration. Uh, and to Wiccans and uh, other pagans, just like to the Catholics or to voodoo practitioners, the spirit is an embodiment of femininity. It's an embodiment of poetry, an embodiment of healing, an embodiment of forge, which is to create, to, to cultivate, to make something. And so the goddess, Brigid, as she's most popularly known, is associated with everything from fire, water, to brewing beer, and fertility. Perhaps most famously, she is a fertility goddess. Now, last year, you saw the, uh, the halftime show at the Super Bowl. Remember the halftime show at the Super Bowl with Shakira? And how it was, you know, it was pretty controversial because of the different types of uh, dances that Shakira was doing. They, 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 some people thought they were very provocative, and I guess they were, but that was just kind of the, you know, the style, the cultural dance that Shakira embodies. But there was one point in last year's uh, Super Bowl halftime show where Shakira had uh, put her arms up in the air and she had them basically bound together. And she displayed what is referred to as the knot of Bridget, or you could rep rep reference it as the cross of Bridget because a cross, if you know, if you make a cross out of like, you make like a corn dolly a cross out of corn husk or something like that, you're basically creating a knot and you tie it together. And so it has a large central area and then you have the four spokes. But Bridget's knot was created in the honor of the goddess Bridget or the Saint Bridget. Uh, it's made up of three trifold uh, knots symbolizing three as one. So the Trinity and one. The three knots form what we call the triquetra, which is essentially a triangle, which represents the triple goddess. And the triple goddess is known under various different names and classifications, which include mother, maiden, crone, enchantment, ripeness, wisdom, and so on and so forth. And the symbol itself, if you take the, the, the triquetra or the triangle and you turn it upside down, it of course represents the yoni, or female reproduction, the womb, 
water, fluidity, curviness, where all creation begins. So Brigid brings about new life. And that's what Imbolc or Imbolc or Condelmas or Brigid or Brigid's Day is. It's a celebration of the lengthening of the days from the winter solstice when we have the shortest day, the shortest days. The days become longer. The sun begins to shine brighter. And Imbolc reminds us, much like those evergreen Christmas trees that we have, which are from Germanic tradition or any kind of greenery we bring into the home around the time of the winter solstice to to remind us that uh, nature will come back to life. Nature will reproduce. It will regenerate. And so in Imbolc, as part of the celebration, things like milk, things like uh, fresh-baked bread, things like candles are very important. The milk is, this, is, a, is, a, is a form of sustenance. Um, the bread is, you know, like the body of Christ, raising it from the dead. We're raising the earth from the dead. And the candles are the light that illuminates the darkness. They warm the cold, and they ward off evil influences, which is why we have Yule logs, which is why we have Christmas lights, which is why we have Samhain, which are Halloween fires. They're not so popular, but the fall equinox or Maybon, we have very similar types of bonfires for Maybon, for Luknasad, which is the midpoint between the summer solstice and the fall equinox. And of course, as we move through the wheel of the year and we pass in bulk on February 2nd, it takes us to the spring equinox, This is essentially the time of the white horse of the apocalypse, which is then followed by Beltane on April 30th, or Walpurgis, which brings us into the summer solstice, June 20th through the 23rd, which is known as Letha, and that is the time of the red horse of the apocalypse. And of course, if you follow the wheel around, by the time you get to Maybon, you have the black horse, which brings death, and then you have the pale horse in the winter when all things are dead. So just like a magician uses the wand to direct their will, or they use the sword to cut through things with the sharpness of the mind, or the athame, the dagger, the sacred dagger of the witch or of the magician, the athame, or they use the pentacle to represent the body, or the chalice to represent the influences of, from which are above, pouring down into that which is below, the hermetic axiom, as above, so below. And those influences that come down into the cup likewise come down into the body. They come down into the body. In Wiccanism and paganism, they perform rituals known as the drawing down of the moon. And this draws down the goddess, various different names, uh, Selene, for example, Luna, you all know Luna, the goddess is drawn down into the female priestess and she begins the embodiment of the goddess during the length of the ritual in the protected magical space that is created for the ceremony. It depends on what kind of ritual it is, what kind of ceremony it is, but this is the drawing down of the moon. 
it's drawing down the influences from above into that which is below. The female then, the priestess becomes a vessel. The witch becomes a vessel for those divine influences, just like the magician becomes the vessel for the divine influences when performing certain rituals and ceremonies, whether male or female. Uh, this is just one particular ritual called the drawing down of the moon or the drawing down of the goddess or the feminine energy, whatever you choose to call it or whatever you know it as. And so you're drawing down these influences in the same way that in sex magic, not Crowley sex magic, but like in pure sex magic where it's not an orgy, you know, like in Wiccanism or Paganism, if there's an act of sex involved in the ritual, it's done in private between two people that are in a relationship, that are married, that are in love. It's not done at some, you know, rave party with Aleister Crowley people taking a bunch of drugs and banging each other without protection. Uh, that's a perversion of the mysteries. That's a perversion of the secret teachings. That's a perversion of, of the sacred wisdom of antiquity. But nevertheless, you have these rituals and ceremonies because they're meant to draw the attention of the gods with those symbols, with the, with the suffumigations, with the incenses, with the, with the oils and the perfumes, uh, with the elements, calling the elementals in for protection, uh, the, the angels from the different directions, north, south, west, east, you, know, you have your salamanders, your undines, your sliffs, and your gnomes. And so in doing this ritual, you are aligning yourself with nature. In doing any type of magical ceremony, you are using those tools to call on the subconscious to hopefully influence the subconscious mind to obtain the divine guidance of the gods, to, to obtain the influences from above that pour down into your cup, into your chalice, into your mind, into your brain, into your body in order to support you in whatever it is, the operation it is that you are attempting to carry out. For holidays or holy days, it's an honoring of nature, and it's an attempt to connect oneself with the natural world, to put oneself in motion with the natural organic world, to put oneself into the position where they can obtain the influences of Bridget or St. Bridget, or Maimon Bridget in voodoo practition, uh, St. Bridget for Catholics. And so Imbolc is the time in which the days become longer, and it brings us the resurrection of the world. And so in order to participate in this resurrection, in order to participate in the, the rebirth of the world and the production of life once more, which always finds a way to grow and to thrive. Everywhere humans look, there's life, whether it's a tube worm at the bottom of the ocean or it's uh, bacteria that can survive massive doses of radiation. Life finds a way to not only exist, but to not only thrive as well, but to, to um, pr uh, become prolific and exist in places that we find otherwise totally uninhabitable. So we have a celebration on in bulk. We have feasts. We, we celebrate just like we do for you know anything. It's a giving of thanks, basically. In essence, that's what all the sabbats are. They're a giving of thanks. So we give thanks to Bridget, which is the embodiment of the goddess, um, energy of the feminine, and not that new age, you know, TikTok witch stuff. You know, this is, this is like sacred. This isn't, you know, techno witchcraft. Not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that, but 
the goddess represents that energy. So we focus our attention on her just like we focus our mind on the sword, our body on the on the pentacle, or our, our intuition on the cup, or our will and intention on the wand. So in bulk, we have the festival of lights. We have lights that illuminate the darkness, that warm the cold and that ward off evil like the jack-o'-lantern does or the Christmas lights. We have a feast to celebrate the hopeful. You know, for us today, we're aware that the seasons are going to change and it's part of a larger cycle. And in antiquity, from what we can read, the ancient people also knew this, but those with information and knowledge pertaining to how this process occurs would be seen as more magical. They'd be seen as priests. They'd be part of the priestly class. And this was not always a good thing. You know, the priestly class uh, basically dominated and ruled the uh, pharaoh uh, class in Egypt. And they dominated and controlled the leadership in uh, South American countries, um, South American tribes, uh, Central American tribes, North American tribes, the priestly class have always dominated. They are the, they're the astrologers, they're the magicians, they're the, the dream interpreters that you read about in the Bible. Uh, so priestly classes are not necessarily negative or dark, but priestly classes have access to this information. And today we have a different kind of priestly class. We have a, like a technological priestly class, a technocratic priestly class. So they develop technologies that show us the technologies and we think it's magic. We don't understand it. But this priestly class is drawing us away from the natural organic world. And I feel that the best way to become disconnected from this artificial reality is to find ourselves the means by which to put ourselves back into connection with the cycles of nature. And this is the whole point, this is the whole intention of Imbolc, or Condlemas or Bridges Day. We have candles to illuminate the darkness and to warm the cold and to ward off evil. We have feasts to celebrate. We give thanks to Bridget, which is the embodiment of that feminine energy that brings forth life. So we use symbols to represent that in the yoni, in the triquetra, in the triangle, upside down, the chalice, the cup hoping to bring the influences of the gods down here onto Earth. I'm Ryan Gable, and these, not just this, but these are the secret teachings, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere, and don't forget to grab a copy of my book, Occult Arcana, at www.thesecretteachings.info. All of this stuff is in that book. Stay with us. We'll be back. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Hey there, it's Ryan Gable, host of The Secret Teachings, right here on The Fringe FM, Monday through Friday. As we move from the month of Janus into the month of Imbolc, traditionally a time of ritual cleansing, The Secret Teachings is offering a special deal to help you clear the cobwebs out of your mind. With a one-year subscription to the show, access to all of the montages, all of my digital books, and a free copy of one of my books in physical form with free shipping in the United States and autographed if you'd like. 
Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today by donating $40 through PayPal. Your support keeps us on air and helps to support the Fringe FM as a network. It also hopefully helps you to expand your consciousness and perceptions of the world through The Secret Teachings. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today by donating $40 through PayPal. That's thesecretteachings.info and rdgable at yahoo.com. My name is Alex Exum, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality, of your reality, of your reality? Do you question the nature of your reality? Join me, host Jess Rogie of The Rogie Report, as we find out more about the strange reality we live in. Here on The Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting. This is Kev Baker of the Kev Baker Show. You can find me at Truth Frequency Radio or on my home website, www.kevbakershow.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. The truth is out there. And so are we. KTLK. Digital Broadcasting. The Fringe FM. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. You're listening to The Fringe FM, where the wheel of the year turns from Yule to Letha, Ostara to Maybon. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. This is David Icke, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. It's time you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Hi there, I'm Ryan Gable, host of The Secret Teachings radio show right here on The Fringe FM. On The Secret Teachings, we cover parapsychology, pop conspiracy, magic myth, health, and more. You can catch The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday after Joe Roop and Lighting the Void right here on The Fringe FM. For more information, you can visit our website at www.thesecretteachings.info. Ryan Gable, your host, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. 
You can contact us by emailing rdgable, rdgable at yahoo.com. And find our website by searching www.thesecretteachings.info. Today, tonight, is Imbolc, also known as Candlemas or Brigid Day or Brigid's Day. It's a celebration of the rebirth and the unfolding of nature once more. It's very similar as are all the Sabbats, the eight Sabbats, the minor and the major Sabbats, to why we have feasts and festivals to celebrate life, to celebrate a harvest, to celebrate good things, and to pray and to offer up those forms of sustenance to the gods as we do on Halloween with trick-or-treating. We have Yule logs and Christmas lights. We have Halloween or Samhain fires, Beltane fires, Letha fires, the fires that we keep burning year-round to help preserve at some points and help to strengthen at other points the sun. As it goes through a process of birth, childhood, adulthood, old age, and death, a process that, like the sun, we all go through. We're born, we go through childhood, adulthood, middle age, old age, and death. And the sun does the same thing. So the sun is anthropomorphized as a deity. As an animal, it is the lion. Its color is gold. So in rituals in which the sun is going to be invoked, or the spirit of the sun, uh, the spiritual sun, the intellectual sun, and the physical sun, three triune components of the sun you use maybe a lion's tooth you use the color yellow or the color gold and these are the same sympathetic associations and magic that you can find for all of the planetary bodies and all of the physical embodiments that that we create in the form of gods and goddesses and if you want to learn more information about those associations and sympathies and antipathies you can read my book, Occult Arcana, or you can read books like those written by Cornelius Agrippa, Eliphas Levi, and so many others who talk about the correlations between these things. Uh, you can read Israel Rigardi. You can read uh, another book by, um, it's called The Magus, which is uh, a really, really great book, one of my favorite books. But The Magus has a lot of this in it, too, by Francis Barrett if you're interested. Uh, And there, of course, are, if you go to Barnes & Noble or you go online, you know, websites like Thrift Books or something, you could find just countless modern texts that are written on the holidays or the holy days or the holidays, the holy days and the sabbats. And you can find, I mean, I know that there there are a number of people that classify themselves as witches who listen to this radio show and that there are others who probably a lot more who listen to the fringe FM overall. And they, they do so because of the content matter, because we're not a political station and we're not a paranormal station. We're like a parapolitical occult magic station. And that's very unique in the world of radio. And I think that's why the fringe FM has grown so rapidly because of people like you who can see that there's so much more that's just as interesting, just as fascinating, just as empowering as, as the subject of witchcraft or, or magic or whatever it is that you might be interested in. You can be brought to these other things 
through those symbols and through those concepts and through those ideas, which is the point of certain symbols that otherwise might be seen as dark, as those like Manly Hall describe, certain symbols that might be seen as dark or satanic are actually symbols that, yes, they represent that, but they also help to bring people who otherwise are lost into the light, in a sense, because those symbols that are dark, sure, also bring one to the light through what they do in communication to the subconscious. And for those unable to see past that, they are not ready to obtain that understanding. And it's not an understanding, you know, a mystery, a secret teaching that has to be obtained through, you know, a credit card or a debit card payment. You know, it's not something that you have to, you don't have to pay a, a, a master, you know, teacher, you know, a con artist, a charlatan, a fraud to help enlighten you. It's not something that you have to spend any money to obtain. But we have wonderful books written on the subject and wonderful stories written on the subject that when you meditate and study them, helps to direct the subconscious through the conscious in the direction of the will. And that is through the intent, through the mind and through the body and through intuition. That is what magic is in essence. And so we use the same kinds of symbols on these holidays or these holy days. Holidays like Imbolc or Condomass, which is February 2nd from February 1st, it's a, it's, a, it's a cleansing time because the ground begins to thaw, not necessarily where I am here in western New York. It's still very, very cold outside. But the days become, become longer might be indiscernible, but the days become longer, and that becomes noticeable at some point. That's why we eventually have daylight savings, how we change the, the clocks. And as the days become longer, the, the sun becomes stronger, and the ground begins to thaw, the snow melts, and life begins to flourish once more. Obviously, before it can flourish, it needs to grow back. If it is like, you know, greenery, shrubs, plants, trees, flowers... What it is, is actually awakening. It's awakening from hibernation. Things don't die and then they just die. Some things do, but nature as, as an entity represented by the goddess, which we look at and call Bridget, or the Catholics call Saint Bridget, or the voodoo practitioners call Maimon Bridget, or we call her the goddess of healing, the goddess of poetry, we call her the goddess of, of the Triquetra. She is the Trinity. She is the mother maiden crone. She is also known as enchantment, ripeness, and wisdom. And this is part of the natural cycle of human life, animal life, insect life, plant life, mineral life, you know, microorganism life. All life goes through this cyclical process. And so to celebrate it, we have feasts. We have fires. Bridget is also known as the goddess of the hearth because of the significance of fire and candles during this holy day, hopefully strengthening the sun so that the sun and that light can conquer the darkness as we move into the spring equinox and move into the summer solstice. So 
on a on a wheel of the year, as it's called, Imbolc is the midpoint between Yule and Ostara. And Imbolc is a very important holiday or holy day in the same way as all the others are in various different ways because it welcomes nature back. It helps to facilitate that growth and it aligns us with nature, which is embodied in the symbol of Bridget. And some of the symbols of Bridget from the triquetra to the upside-down triangle, which is the cup or the chalice, the water of the woman of the womb. It's also known as Bridget's Knot or Bridget's Cross. And it's tied together often out of plants. Some people mean to make them out of wood. But Bridget's Cross is a very important symbol because Bridget's Cross helps to keep away evil. It helps to keep away any kind of negative thing, whether that's hunger and starvation, any kind of destruction, it helps to keep it away. It helps to keep away evil, which is why you'll see in you know movies about demonic possession, the cross helps to ward off evil. Uh, the demon or those that are possessed cannot look or stand the cross. The cross will burn the skin of the person who is possessed by that demon. So the cross wards off evil like the jack-o'-lantern. Bridget's cross wards off evil like the candles of candle moss. It wards off evil like the lights of the bonfires. And these bonfires, which although Imbolc is a Gaelic celebration and uh, largely known throughout Ireland, and of course the Catholics know her as St. Bridget, uh, these uh, bonfires that are often associated with Samhain, Halloween, and Beltane, or Walpurgis, are also uh, used in various other traditional ceremonies and rituals. Um, in voodoo, they use these large bonfires in a ritual called Bukan, and these bonfires are built in the honor of the spirit or the Loa, Legba, usually one week before the New Year's Eve celebration. So before the New Year begins, the fires are kept burning one week beyond the New Year celebration. And this festival called Bukan, for voodoo practitioners, is similar to the bonfires of Maiban, Samhain, and Beltane especially, because it helps to illuminate, it helps to warm, it helps to ward off evil and darkness. Bukan reminds us of the candles lit during Inbolc or the logs burned during Yule to illuminate the dark both literally and symbolically and to provide warmth while warding off all evil influences. When you look at everything that we've examined in the first segment and a half, I hope that you can recognize that this is the essence of the secret teachings. This is the essence of occultism. This is the essence of magic. And it's not dark, it's not evil, it's not satanic, it's not, you know, witchcraft in the sense that witches are hexing people and killing people. It's a very neutral thing. It's not even positive, it's just neutral. It's very neutral. I mean, the essence of the secret teachings is to illuminate the darkness and to warm the cold and to cast away all those things that attract evil. It is the attitude and the idea that avoiding such things because they are evil, 
that leads to evil influences. And by evil, we only mean the inversion of the E-V-I-L in the word L-I-V-E, to live. To be evil is to invert the meaning of life. It is to disconnect oneself from nature. It is to disconnect oneself from the cycles of nature. It is to not be in touch with nature. You can say you're not in touch with God. You're not in touch with the gods, goddesses. And all that means is you're not in touch with what those gods and goddesses embody and represent. Brigid is just a representation of femininity. It's a representation of creation, of life. It's a symbol of protection and of fertility. It's all embodied in the symbol of Brigid, as it is in the symbol of Isis or Inanna or the symbols of the various archetypes of characters in uh, you know fairy tales and very, very popular stories that come from the ancient world. It's the embodiment of all of those things. It's symbolic, it's archetypical, it's mythological. In essence, at its core, it is scientific. Although science is rarely associated with these things, unless we call it occult science, and that's essentially what it is. It's hidden science. It's those things by observation that we determine are responsible for the things that occur in the natural world. By, by, by examining them and by understanding them, we put ourselves in tune with nature. We put ourselves in tune with God. Disconnecting from that and inverting L-I-V-E, living life into E-V-I-L, is simply the work of the devil, but not a Christian or a Catholic devil. It's a necessary evil that helps to guide us to the light because all things are pulling us to that light, even the symbols that we consider to be evil or that we consider to be dark or, you know, whatever it might be. And so this is the celebration, this is the holy day of Imbolc or Imbolc. And at its core, I want to extract something for the remainder of tonight's show, and that is that life finds a way to grow, to live, and to thrive in conditions that we would typically think as human beings would be uninhabitable to any kind of life. We have learned just in the last couple of years by scientific observation the incredible advanced societal culture of certain kinds of creatures like crows. Crows, for example, have an ability to not only utilize tools, but they memorize their tools, they modify their tools in a cumulative cultural evolution that's really only been seen in humans, as we classify it as such. But crows, they create tools, they memorize tools, they know how to rebuild them, they know how to modify them, they store them, just like we store a tool, we store a hammer. Crows do this. It's been observed in nature. And they do this in a way that is indicative of consciousness on a level that, you know, typically humans think is not uh, available in the animal world. Scientists recently, just last September, have determined that crows are also capable of conscious thought. Scientists say they've actually demonstrated this. There's an article from Science Alert from the 28th of September 2020 that says new research into the minds of crows has revealed a jaw-dropping finding. 
that these birds possess a form of consciousness able to consciously be aware of the world around them in the present. In other words, they have subjective experiences. Scientists call this primary or sensory consciousness, which had only previously been demonstrated in primates. So, of course, now scientists have to rethink their understanding of how consciousness arises in addition to reanalyzing the avian brain. When you read stories like this, you, you could write them off and say, well, scientists didn't actually figure that out. It's just an assumption. Animals are no, no more intelligent than, you know, birds are no more intelligent than any other animal. Well, the reality is there are some animals that are clearly, demonstrably, beyond circumstantial evidence, highly intelligent beyond other kinds of animals. Likewise, there are some animals that you could argue demonstrate more consciousness than some human beings. You ever looked into the eyes of a person and just seen nothing there? Maybe it's blackness, maybe it's just glazed over. There's like nobody home. But you might look into the eyes of a, of a dog or you know, a cat, or I like ducks and birds, and you might see something that's full of life. Not just metaphorically, not just symbolically, not just philosophically, but animals can be far more, not only intelligent, but far more conscious than even human beings can be. And traditionally, there are seven spheres of consciousness, and they come into play when talking about this subject, because the seven spheres of consciousness explain the levels of consciousness between the elemental world, the mineral world, the plant world, the animal world, the human world, the world of demigods, and the world of gods. Now, they're not demigods or gods in the sense that they come from some other dimension or some, there's some extraterrestrial or, you know, something like that. It means that these are levels of consciousness. Levels of consciousness that help us to understand the variances and the differences in the levels of consciousness that we have as a human being, that animals have. And so in these levels of consciousness, it's believed that certain animals are more conscious than some humans because the sphere and the kingdom of the animal world overlaps to create essentially a vicicopisis into human consciousness, the human kingdom. And likewise, there are some humans that have less consciousness and intelligence than some, some, some animals. And if you go down lower, you find the plant kingdom, and it is arguable that some plants are more intelligent and conscious than some animals, and the definition of consciousness and intelligence begins to change as we proceed so far from what is considered divinity and that of demigod and god consciousness. But if we move in the other direction toward those levels of consciousness, we find that some of the greatest philosophers, poets, writers, of all types of things, books, plays, etc. We find that some of the most talented artists, some of the most well-known names, most intelligent people that we even classify based on how the mind works, these are people that might be classified as being demigods. 
They have a level of understanding, intelligence, consciousness that is beyond the average human. And then there are those that become godlike in nature. It's not always necessarily a good thing, but that is a form of consciousness that we are striving for. These spheres of consciousness are very similar to the spheres on the tree of life, from Kether to Malkuth. And it's always easier to succumb to our animal nature, the sphere below us. It's always easier to succumb to Malkuth, but our ultimate goal in the secret teachings and mystic studies in philosophy and magic and occultism is to elevate ourselves above the material crystallized world into a higher understanding, into an understanding of what this is all about. And that's what magicians do when they perform their rituals with their wands and their swords and their cups and their chalices, which represent the will and the mind and the intuition and the pentacle, which represents the body. The four elements, the elementals, the salamanders, the undines, the sliffs, the gnomes, they represent the elements. They are embodiments of the elements like Brigid is an embodiment of the natural world. Brigid is an embodiment of nature. Brigid is an embodiment of vegetation. Brigid is an embodiment of life. Hence the reason that the cross of Brigid wards off evil. Hence the reason that the Christian cross wards off evil. It is something that a demon in a movie, someone possessed by a demon, is burned by. Something that a demon in a movie looks away from because it wards off evil because of the power of the cross and what it represents, the four elements, the four elementals, the four cardinal directions. It's powerful, and it's represented by a slightly different symbol in ancient Egypt known as the Ankh. And the Ankh is essentially a Teu cross, which is a capital T cross, where the bar at the top is slanted downward on the left and right side. The Teu cross is how the Romans actually used to crucify people, not so much on the lowercase t cross. On the Teu cross, you'd have nowhere to place your head. So it was even more painful death. And then if you put a circle or kind of like an oval on top of the Teu cross, you get what is known as the Ankh or what is known as the Crux Ansata. And the Ankh, just like Bridget's cross, just like the cross of Christ, is known as life bestowing. And so the Egyptian Bridget, in a sense, Isis, carries an Ankh with her. In fact, most Egyptian gods carry Ankhs with them. You'll see Osiris with the Ankh. You'll see Anubis with the Ankh. You'll see Thoth or Jehudi with the Ankh. It's a symbol of life. And life wards off death. Although it's part of the same cycle, life the cross, what we call goodness, that which is to be desired. We desire life. We desire to live. We desire to grow and to thrive. And when we don't fulfill those desires, 
then we feel void. We feel like we're missing something. And that's why things like having children are so important because when people talk about traditional values, it's not so much that they're political values or that they're religious values, but that they are human values. That as a woman, as a man, you desire to have a child. You desire to create life. All things are pulling us toward the light. Remember, all things are pulling us toward creation. All things are pulling us toward this. And once the cycle is complete, sure, we die, but we also are reborn again in the same image, and the process restarts, just like the winter solstice, the longest nights to the longest days of Letha. It all begins at the midpoint between the winter solstice and the spring equinox, which is in bulk or Candlemas, or Bridges Day, and Bridget represents all these things, in the same way Isis represents them, in the same way the Ankh or the Crux Ansata, life bestowing the Bridget Cross, and the Cross of Christ represents this. The Cross is also known as a swastika, which I know terrifies people, especially if you've listened to this show. I'm sure the swastika terrifies you, and, you know, if you say, hey, have a good bulk," people think that you're a witch, And if you say, I like the swastika, I think it's a beautiful symbol. They think you're a Nazi, right? It's ridiculous. But the swastika, which is basically a cross that is rotating, is a symbol of the sun. It's one of the oldest known symbols, and it relates to the cross of the zodiac. It's found throughout the world and in sand paintings of uh, Navajo Indians. Native American medicine men used this swastika. They called it the whirling log in their ceremonies. It's part of the cycle of life. It's part of the rotation of nature, of the planets, etc. The swastika comes from the Sanskrit word swasti, which means well-being, or so be it. People say this at the end of their prayers. And like any symbol, the orientation of the swastika changes its meaning. When rotated clockwise, it represents the sun. To the Hopi Indians, this meant the earth. When depicted counterclockwise, it represents the moon. In the latter format, the swastika is sometimes referred to as the savastika. Now, the Hopi used the reverse of this image to represent the sun, and either way this symbol is turned, it is a positive meaning. You can take it and turn it into a negative meaning, but it is a positive thing. It represents strength. If clockwise, it signifies love and mercy. If counterclockwise, it represents strength and intelligence. Unfolding the arms will reveal a standard cross with four quadrants. The arms are bent at the, at, the, at, the, at the tips where the wheel turns to give the illusion that it is turning. An offshoot of Hinduism called Jain also uses the swastika. The Chinese use it. It's called the Manji. It looks like you painted a swastika with a paintbrush. It represents the ancient solar principle, and the word literally means... In Mandarin, manji, Chinese symbol for eternity. Variations of the symbol of the image abound in the form of the sun, the cross wheel, Odin's cross, or Thor's hammer. Even the dance of Shiva is stylized as a swastika. And Shiva dances like Pan and like the sun across the heavens. It's Bridget's cross. It's the Crux Ansata. 
the bestowing of life. And that is exactly what Bridget is bestowing to us, this in bulk. That is exactly what the symbols of in bulk and the symbols of light and the symbols of warmth and the symbols of heaven and the symbols of all the things that are growing toward the light. That's what it all represents. That is in bulk. That is candle moss. When we come back from break here in The Secret Teachings, I'm going to show you that life not only finds a way to grow and survive, but to thrive in conditions that are beyond our imagination, beyond anything that we can really comprehend, even with physical scientific evidence that they are real, from bacteria that thrives on radiation to octopuses and squids that can alter their own DNA to crows that are capable of conscious thought. All of that right here on The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and I implore you to stay with us. There's a lot of really incredible information coming up in the next hour. Check out my book, Occult Arcana, at thesecretteachings.info. I'm taking pre-orders for the technological, uh, technological Elixir, which is the second edition version I'm almost done with. And don't forget to subscribe to the archive to get access to all the shows and the montages. That's www.thesecretteachings.info. It supports the network. It supports the secret teachings and it supports you. We'll be back. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, somewhere between the normal and paranormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare. Right here on The Fringe FM. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books. Available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a practical, balanced, and unique look at the food industry, vaccinations, the theories of disease, and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. All three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Hey, Fringe listeners, Dave Cruz here, reminding you that Beyond the Strange airs live Monday evenings at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on The Fringe FM. BTS is your one-stop shop for the paranormal, the bizarre, and most of all, the strange. Join me and co-host Black Sky Paranormals, Russ Bailey, as we discuss topics such as aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, and much more. Also, we talk with profound guests, authors, researchers from all over the world, and we take your calls live on the air. Go to beyondthestrange.com and learn more about the show, guests, times, free registration for our newsletter, merch, and much more. 
Again, that's Beyond the Strange, Monday evenings, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. And as always, stay strange. The truth is out there, and so are we. KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Hey there, it's Ryan Gable, host of The Secret Teachings, right here on The Fringe FM, Monday through Friday. As we move from the month of Janus into the month of Imbolc, traditionally a time of ritual cleansing, The Secret Teachings is offering a special deal to help you clear the cobwebs out of your mind. With a one-year subscription to the show, access to all of the montages, all of my digital books, and a free copy of one of my books in physical form with free shipping in the United States and autographed if you'd like. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today by donating $40 through PayPal. Your support keeps us on air and helps to support the Fringe FM as a network. It also hopefully helps you to expand your consciousness and perceptions of the world through The Secret Teachings. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today by donating $40 through PayPal. That's thesecretteachings.info and rdgable at yahoo.com. Join me on a journey where getting lost is the only true destination. Where happiness is an illusion. Where the past, present, and future all coexist on the same timeline. You're listening to The Fringe FM, where the wheel of the year turns from Yule to Letha, Ostara to Maybon. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Gable, and you're listening to the secret teachings on the Fringe FM here on Kandelmas or Brigid Day or Imbolc, depending on where you are in the world and what hemisphere you reside in. Here in New York State in the United States, it is Imbolc, although it doesn't really look like Imbolc outside. It looks more like Yule. Lots of snow covering the ground, lots of ice. We got that one big snowstorm here in western New York where for a while you think there's going to be snow, it's going to melt, it's going to be sunny. The weather here is very erratic. And then you get that one big snowstorm where it just keeps piling it on, it doesn't go away. And then even when some of the snow melts, you've still got this same ice all the way into March into early April. Hopefully the snow melts. I'm not a big fan of the snow, but I do understand the significance and the changing of the seasons and the symbols that are represented therein as relating to these natural cycles and how they relate to planets and how they relate to the sun and the moon and the anthropomorphized deities of those figures, of those symbols, of those entities that we might worship or we might hold very dear without fully understanding what they are. And it's not a bad thing. It just means that we are drawn to life. We are drawn to 
nature, we are drawn to these positive things without really fully understanding why. And that, I believe, is God's plan. Now, that's not a Christian God. That's not a religious God. It's not a dogmatic God or a theological God. You know, I can project myself outside of this radio show and just listen to what I just said, and it sounds like that's God's plan. But that's what God's plan is. It's a draw to life. That's the plan. The plan isn't what you're going to eat for dinner and who you're going to get married to. The plan is a draw to life. All things are pulled towards life. The cross of Brigid that is used on Imbolc is a symbol that wards off evil. It wards off cold through warmth. And it wards off hell through heaven and darkness through light. It's also the Christian cross. It's also the swastika or the sabastika. It's also known as the zigzag cross of the Zia Pueblo. It's also known as Thor's hammer, Odin's cross, the dance of Shiva, the sacred dances of Pan. It's the sacred dance of the sun as it moves across the heavens, the sacred dance of the sun as it begins to mature and become more powerful and to burn brighter. It is the symbol of the Ankh or the Kruksansata, which we know as life bestowing, a symbol that numerous Egyptian gods and goddesses carry from Anubis to Osiris, to perhaps the most well-known Egyptian goddess, Isis. That symbol represents life. The Teu cross with the circle on top, which represents the movement of life out of darkness, cold, hell, and materiality. In other words, the cross, which represents the four corners, the four elements, the four cardinal directions, it represents the square, the material world, the three-dimensional cube. And rising out of the cube is consciousness. So this is why in Egypt, you see Osiris, the green god, bound in linen, ready for the tomb, but his head is exposed. His body is bound, but his head, which is a symbol of consciousness and awareness, is not bound. It is protruding from the bindings. It is the circle on top of the crux on Santa, or the cross, of Christ, of St. Bridget, of Odin, of Thor. And this cross, with the circle on top, represents the conquering of materiality through conscious intention and will which are directed through the magician with the symbol and the tool of the wand, understood by the sharpness of the sword, which is the mind, embodied in the pentacle, which is the physical form, and made intuitive from the dew droplets left over outside from the workings of divine influences from above that rain down and form on that which is below, 
that pour into the cup, the sacred wine, to be drunk at ceremony, that pour into the cup the blood of Christ to allow adherence to the secret doctrine, the secret teachings, and the secret sacred mystical philosophies through, uh, through and, uh, all throughout antiquity. To drink a drink of life and to obtain an understanding that allows one to elevate themselves far beyond physical, animal desires and urges, beyond the human sphere into the sphere of demigods and God consciousness. These are the secret teachings, and I find them to be incredibly positive and incredibly empowering. And I find that when we as humans, male or female, or whatever you might identify as, are missing this understanding, which leads many people to feel as if they do not have a purpose in life. There's been an incredibly destructive ideological cult that has developed around things like environmentalism. And in environmentalism, there are those people called birth strikers, Extinction Rebellion, basically groups that receive billion-dollar you know, funding, or rather funding from billion-dollar donors. And they essentially work like Occupy Wall Street or any other group for the very thing that they supposedly represent opposition to. And in these groups, people have decided that they don't want to have children anymore because children are bad for the environment, they're bad for the planet. And although this idea that carbon dioxide and children and human activity is bad for the environment, which is totally erroneous, unscientific, anti-human, and very alien, I may add, it rewires the desires that men and women have as individuals and as collective couples. It trains us not to want to produce life. It trains us not to want to procreate, not to want to produce and to have a family. I'm not talking about a nuclear family structure. I'm talking about the essence of creating new life. It attempts to eradicate orgasm and pleasure in all forms throughout all aspects and areas of life. Pleasure of any kind in life. Happiness of any kind in life. Children bring joy because they are pure. They are the closest to the divine, having just formed out of this world and come from another parallel to ours in the traditional philosophical, religious sense of reincarnation and uh, creation and divine influence and things of this nature. They are pure and they bring joy and they bring new possibility. So if you want to construct a system in which there will be no opposition, you convince people to not have children, you convince people to not create new life, to not have families, and to do it in a noble way because they are saving the planet. When in actuality, you're not saving the planet, you're destroying the planet, and you're preventing new possibilities from arising, new solutions to actually care for the planet when there really are problems like pollution, for example. 
And I say all of this because when you get into the subject of witchcraft and Wiccanism and paganism, there's this bleed through into environmentalism. There's a bleed through into politics. But I can tell you right now, having been classified by some people who you know, they, they say that you know I, I'm basically a pagan or a witch. I'm, I'm not a pagan or a witch, but you know I, I've told people I'm I'm more Christian than most Christians are. I'm probably just as pagan as some pagans are. I don't really like those labels too much, but um, I can accept the identification for you know just for the sake of identification. But I know that real Wiccanism, real paganism, these are not things that have anything to do with politics or have anything to do with with religion. They don't have anything to do with binding the mind or polarizing views on social issues. They are only and solely about coming together as an individual or collectively in a group, in a coven, to draw down the influences of the divine and ceremony and ritual, whether you're drawing down the moon or something else, to align oneself with the natural cycles from the solstices to the equinoxes to the midpoints in between, like in bulk, the midpoint between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. And in attuning oneself with nature, become one with nature. That's not political. That's not religious. Politics and religion have hijacked as have con artists and frauds and charlatans and people that generally don't know what they're doing, have hijacked these sacred concepts because they hold power over the subconscious in order to create cults, in order to create movements for which the people that participate don't fully understand why they're doing it. They just know that they have a desire to do something good. They have a desire to create something. They have a desire to build something. But it's a hijacking of those desires to destroy, to decimate. So life is a good thing, unless you hate life and you think that you are superior to all life, at which point you cease essentially to become human in the traditional sense and your ideology becomes very alien. So life is not a bad thing. Life is a good thing. The on sa to the life bestowing That is what gives us purpose, to live life. That's why people tell you, just go outside and enjoy the sunshine. I mean, if you have other urges and desires to do things, like if you want, you know, a a taco or a really good cheeseburger, or for those of you like myself who don't eat meat or any dairy products, if you want like, last night I made myself an awesome portobello mushroom sandwich. You want an awesome portobello mushroom sandwich, homemade, But you go outside and you get the sunlight, sure, that feels good, but it doesn't satisfy the craving for that sandwich. But the point is, you go outside and you get that sunlight and it recharges you. That's what it means to go out in nature. You can call it hippy-dippy crap. You can call me a hippie, you can call me a wick and a peg, and it doesn't really matter because the essence of what I'm saying is still the same. It doesn't matter what label you apply to it. And those of you who have experienced it understand the meaning of it. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't even cost you any thought. In fact, it's the opposite of money. It's the opposite of thought. You disconnect from the world of currency and energy that is artificial and manufactured, and you connect to the world of organic currency that recharges you rather than removing charge from you through your daily actions. Participating in 
the cyclical nature of the world, the changing of the seasons and the understanding of what the gods and goddesses and all the symbols and signatures and sigils represent. A way to direct the subconscious, a way to direct the mind, a way to understand, a way to influence, a way to think, a way to embody the wand, the sword, the cup, or chalice and the pentacle. Now, through all of this life, through all of this understanding, we don't have to look any further than what our modern scientific establishments have determined our anomalies in the natural world. If we define life, life is the condition that distinguishes animals and plants from inorganic matter, including the capacity for growth, reproduction, functional activity, and continual change preceding death. Life that begins, quickens, and grows. In bulk is the quickening of the year, the first fetal arriving of Ostara, or the spring equinox. Imbolc is the seed that is planted in the womb of the earth. It is a fire festival like other Sabbats, strengthening the light that was dimmed during the fall equinox, Samhain or Halloween and Yule, the winter solstice. It is embodied in the goddess Brigid, who is the Triquetra, the trinity of enhancement, or enchantment, ripeness, and wisdom. Mother, maiden, crone, the cycles of life. And what we consider to be the basis of life is often accepted as only one form of life. And unless we expand this definition, we are going to miss critical evidence. Despite claims that life can only exist in certain kinds of environments, life has been found to not only exist, but to thrive in harsh conditions that are incompatible with humans and other species. Underwater hydrothermal vents have been found to be the location where tube worms and different kinds of shrimp, and then there's something called a ghost fish or ghostly fish, uh, and other creatures make their home in very extreme conditions, extreme pressure, temperature fluctuations, and mostly in places where there is no light. Tube worms, ghost fish, they thrive there. They don't just live and survive. Bacteria was also found on the outside of the International Space Station, an experiment that was conducted back in 2015, I believe, that found bacteria which existed because it was placed there in a vacuum not only survived, but it it, it it lived. It thrived. The research was published in Frontiers in Microbiology. Researchers at the International Space Station mounted a box of exposed microbes on a handrail 250 miles above Earth. In studying Microbiology, microbiologists have spent decades studying extremophiles or organisms that endure extreme conditions. They published their finding and found that Dinococcus radiodurans bacteria 
can survive at least three years in the vacuum of space. That was the length of the study, but it's likely that it could survive even longer. That was reported in 2020 by the Smithsonian Magazine. Another study came out in November of 2017 where bacteria was found on the outside of the International Space Station. Many believed it was alien life, according to a cosmonaut. Spacewalkers took samples of the material outside of the station, what they call extravehicular activity. Samples were taken down to scientists on Earth who studied them, and they found that the bacteria on the outside of the ISS had not been there during the launch of the module. So they associated that bacteria with either something alien or something that came up from Earth through various forms of wind. They found that bacteria could survive temperatures between negative 150 degrees Celsius and 150 degrees Celsius. Bacteria appeared to have made its way from Earth, but regardless of where it came from, it survived in this very, very harsh condition. Likewise, thousands of species have been found to exist below miles of ice in Lake Vostok in Antarctica, which is likely why there's been so much hype around Antarctica, not because of blue rooster robot chicken hens, but because of Lake Vostok. And it is also a well-known fact that volcanic soil in particular is one of the most fertile soils in the world where there is an abundance of life and an abundance of potentiality. I was also reading today that Yellowstone, a hot spot that powers the Yellowstone volcanic system, is much, much older than geologists originally thought. Scientists that thought that this hot spot at Yellowstone, uh, the source of the heat that powers the area's volcanoes, was about 17 million years old. Well, now they're saying that it's much, much older than that, perhaps up to 50 million years. Things are not as they seem, and life finds a way to thrive in conditions that are wholly unsuitable for other forms of life. Today is Imbolc, Candlemas, Bridget's Day. We celebrate, we feast, we light candles, we have milk, we have bread. We celebrate the coming of light, the coming of new life, the coming of warmth, the coming of heaven, the coming of the Savior, the white horse, the Savior of all mankind, the Son. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings, and these are The Secret Teachings here on The Fringe FM. To read more about them, you can grab a copy of my book, Occult Arcana, at www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to our archive on that website for access to all the shows, the montages, the digital books, and a one-year subscription to the archive. It supports you, it supports the network, The Fringe FM, and it supports The Secret Teachings. Stay with us. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence, but... 
I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable, five nights a week on The Fringe FM, and join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's thesecretteachings.info and The Fringe FM. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in soft cover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports the secret teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. Hey there, it's Ryan Gable, host of The Secret Teachings, right here on The Fringe FM, Monday through Friday. As we move from the month of Janus into the month of Imbolc, traditionally a time of ritual cleansing, The Secret Teachings is offering a special deal to help you clear the cobwebs out of your mind. With a one-year subscription to the show, access to all of the montages, all of my digital books, and a free copy of one of my books in physical form with free shipping in the United States and autographed if you'd like. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today by donating $40 through PayPal. Your support keeps us on air and helps to support the Fringe FM as a network. It also hopefully helps you to expand your consciousness and perceptions of the world through The Secret Teachings. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today by donating $40 through PayPal. That's thesecretteachings.info and rdgable at yahoo.com. They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then they, the Democrats go, oh, we did all the good stuff. It's like you're all working for the same guy. You're listening to The Fringe FM, where the wheel of the year turns from Yule to Letha, Ostara to Maybon. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting. The Fringe FM. Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. Also, don't forget to check out The Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and Talk Stream Live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's The Fringe FM. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings.
I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. Tonight is Imbolc, or Candle Mass, known as Bridget's Day, the Knot of Bridget, or the Cross of Bridget. It's a very important symbol that relates to the Cross of Odin, or Thor's Hammer, the Swastika, the Sacred Dances of Shiva and Pan, the Savastika, in Hinduism and Christianity and Judaism. It even is in Islam with the crescent moon, the moon goddess, the triple goddess, the triquetra, the symbol of mother, maiden, crone, enchantment, ripeness, and wisdom, the cycles of life, the crux on sata, the teu cross with the circle, the green god Osiris rising out of the linen that binds his body, consciousness rising out of the material world, out of the crystallized foundation of Malkuth. Life finds a way to thrive, not only live, not only survive, in conditions that are inhospitable, that are truly incomprehensible to human beings. But maybe it's because of our perspective. We think it's incomprehensible because we, we can't live in those conditions. We can't live like tube worms or shrimp or ghost fish in extreme conditions of temperature fluctuation, pressure, lack of light. You know, we're not angler fish. We're not tube worms. We have trouble, you know, I've got trouble keeping my, my studio slash bedroom warm, even though I have free heat and it's on all the time. Still cold in here. I don't like that. I don't know if I'm thriving. I guess I'm thriving. I'm definitely living. I'm definitely surviving. I guess I'm thriving in this condition, but I'm also, you know, lucky to have heat. I'm lucky to have a place to live. It's because of the work and the effort I put in. Because I've created something. I've built something. And I live in minimal conditions so I can get by with less work so I can spend time doing what makes me most happy. Which is producing radio shows like this, writing books like Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and the newest edition of the Technological Elixir, Black Goo, Transhumanism, and Invoking AI, which is now uh, for pre-sale. And I am going to have copies of that printed in the next couple of weeks and get them out to you. If you're interested, you can grab a copy at www.thesecretteachings.info. Otherwise, Occult Arcana, which is the top seller by far, includes all of the material that we're discussing tonight in one giant compilation. There's a section I have on the swastika and the ankh, symbols of life, symbols of birth, symbols of of creation, the life-bestowing qualities of the female, the life-bestowing qualities of Bridget. Now, these symbols are not just in books on the occult. They're not just in a church or a temple. They're not just around people's necks. These symbols are used in rituals and ceremonies that I've maintained for years are intentionally formulated and produced and performed for events like the Super Bowl. With tens of millions of people watching and all the energy that goes into it, the sigils are activated through this currency, this energy, and it produces something. That's why we use the Super Bowl as an oracle for what will happen in the next year, what will happen in the coming months. The Super Bowl that is coming up this weekend will have a show on it next week. And 
We'll probably do our annual Super Bowl show with Clyde Lewis on Ground Zero as well. We do a collaboration every year after the Super Bowl. And we'll look at the halftime show. And we'll do it from the standpoint of that which is hidden rather than suggesting from the beginning that it's some satanic Illuminati ritual, which is preposterous and just clickbait nonsense on the internet, social media, etc. And because of that, now there's been more of that satanic Illuminati crap dumped and pumped out because it's, you know, it's popular now. But the symbols and ceremonies and rituals that we celebrate as holidays or holy days, they embody the essence of life. You know, they found thousands of species below miles of ice in Lake Vostok in Antarctica. An abundance of life in the fertile soil of volcanoes. Earlier we were talking about how scientists have discovered and have proved through some arbitrary scientific means that crows are capable of conscious thought. That they actually have subjective experiences, what they call primary or sensory consciousness, something that had only been previously demonstrated in primates. Crows are capable of conscious thought. Not only is life more abundant than we thought, but it's more conscious than people have thought. We know that crows use tools. Not only do they use tools, they make their own tools. They save them in little toolboxes. They alter their tools. They make them better. Which scientists, as they identify this in human civilization, call it cumulative cultural evolution. That separate crow populations are developing their own modifications that persist and improve over generations. They pass this down. There's a story a couple of years about a girl who was feeding crows, and the crows liked the girl, and they can remember faces. And they started bringing the girl little trinkets, little things for her, you know, uh, charm bracelet, basically charms, little shiny things, because they were being fed, they were happy. That's highly, highly indicative of more than intelligence. That's consciousness that is equated to human consciousness, and I think that scares people, especially the next time you see a crow. It's watching you. It's thinking. It's communicating. Uh, They have their own language. Crows are incredible, incredible creatures. But we can't stop at crows. Scientists a few years ago suggested that octopuses may be the most alien creature on Earth. Why? Because they're so unique from everything else. Because they have built-in defense systems. Because they have built-in propulsion systems. The research back in 2018 was published in the journal Progress in Biophysics and Molecular Biology and remarked on the rise of octopuses and their cephalopod cousins in relation to the theory of panspermia. Octopuses are incredible. You've probably seen those videos where they can open jars or they can open doors. They're highly intelligent. They're highly aware. They're highly conscious, just like crows. In 2017, scientists discovered something else about octopuses, which is baffling. 
that octopuses, along with some squid and some cuttlefish species, routinely edit their ribonucleic acid sequences to adapt to their environment. In other words, octopuses can edit their own DNA. Now, this occurs naturally by environmental things less than a fraction of a percent of the time in every other species. But in octopus, it happens 60% of the time. According to research in 2015, a common squid has edited more than 60% of RNA in its nervous system. Those edits essentially changed its brain physiology, and scientists presume, according to an article in Science Alert December 31st, 2020, that it's meant to adapt them to various temperature conditions in the ocean. So crows are conscious. They have their own language. They hold funerals for dead crows. They remember faces. They exchange gifts. They have an, an incredible, from our standpoint, thinking of animals as unconscious and unaware, they have an incredibly advanced culture in society within the crow world. They might not have iPads or skyscrapers, but crows are highly intelligent, and they can do all the things I just mentioned, and they are incredibly conscious and aware. They have subjective experiences as individual birds. They have communities. They communicate with one another. Octopuses and squids can edit and direct their own brain genes. Unlike other animals, cephalopods, the family that includes octopuses, squid, and cuttlefish, don't obey the commands of their DNA to the letter. Instead, they sometimes interfere with the code as it is being carried by a molecular messenger, or RNA. Therefore, they edit their RNA to edit their DNA, and they do this on average 60% of the time in comparison with a fraction of 1% of the time for humans in relationship to recoding events. Less than a fraction of 1% of the time for humans and other creatures, but for octopuses, squids, and some cuttlefish species, according to scientists, and we would assume that there would be so many more different species that do this or can do this or whatever the case might be, that also edit and direct their own brain genes. Uh, then they also have you know built-in Defense mechanisms, they are, I mean, it, it, they're, they're like incredibly, incredibly advanced beyond what humans have traditionally thought of these types of creatures. And then you have other stories over the years, like in 1956, there's a, a, a bacterium isolated from a spoiled tin of meat. Just spoiled tin of meat, here's a bacterium, and they call it, Dianococcus radiodurans, a nondescriptive bacterium isolated in 1956, and it can survive several thousand times the dose of radiation that would otherwise kill humans. That's pretty incredible, I think. And so, if you expose the bacteria to 10 and 15 kilo rays of radiation over several hours, each copy sustains more than 120 breaks that cut through both strands of its DNA. That's a lot. Most other bacteria die if their chromosomes suffer just two or three 
breaks. However, this particular bacteria that scientists have called doomsday bacteria can suffer hundreds of breaks and cuts in its DNA. It can also repair its shattered chromosomes in the same way or the same idea, the same theme that squids and octopuses can edit and direct their own brain genes, edit their RNA. This bacteria can thrive on radiation. Scientists also discovered bacteria can survive in space for years, according to a 2020 story from the Smithsonian Magazine. A 2015 box with exposed microbes were placed on a handrail on the International Space Station, and what they found was that after three years, the length of the experiment, these extremophiles, the organisms that can endure extreme conditions, as they call them, as published in the journal Frontiers in Microbiology, can survive in space for three years. And this bacteria was the doomsday bacteria, the Anococcus radial durens. Three years in space, this bacteria that they call doomsday bacteria. I remember reading that for the first time in a book by Michael Tellinger, who I had a chance to meet a few times at Contact in the Desert, the conference, uh, his book, Slave Species of the Gods, which I have a different view on now, but it has a lot of really great information in it. And I remember vividly like sitting, I remember where I was because this, it just kind of stuck with me in the subconscious. I was sitting at a restaurant that's uh, since gone out of business called Dandelion. It was a little cafe in Orlando, Florida. And I was reading this book, and this was at the beginning of my, my radio journey. And as I was reading the book, I'm trying to get information to do shows. I came across this section where he wrote about... I came across this section where he wrote about a bacteria that can withstand radiation of this level. And it just always stuck with me in the subconscious. And then I came across these articles and I was thinking about I wanted to do a show on life and the proclivity of life to live and to thrive in conditions that are harmful to other things. And we find that just in the microcosm, if we can use that word, of certain animals that can thrive in cold conditions, certain animals and insects that can thrive in warm conditions but would die in cold conditions and vice versa. Life finds a way, always. It's interesting, I was also reading a story from Futurism, a future website, and they were referencing the CEO of the company Valve, the gaming company, named Gabe Newell. And he said that his company is working on a brain-computer interface that would allow video games to be more immersive than ever. And what he says, and this reminded me of the squid and the octopus, is that the technology could allow users, and keep in mind that this is not natural technology in the sense that it evolves organically, it's mechanical technology. He says that the technology would allow users to edit not only what they see, but their feelings and emotions as well. And that reminded me of the squid and octopus who are able to edit their RNA, directing their own brain genes. If you want to see that story, gaming CEO brain interfaces will allow us to edit our feelings. 
I also remembered another story that I had read back in 2018, and it also stuck with me just like when I read about that bacteria that could withstand radiation at that level. And here it is from The Independent, and it was also published in a Canadian newspaper because it was found, the organism that I'm going to mention was found in Canada, in Nova Scotia. I read this article, and it just stuck with me. Scientist on hike discovers organisms so unusual it sets on new major branch of the tree of life. I mean, that's a pretty big headline, but most of you probably never read that. And I'm sure there are so many other like so many other stories like that that I uh, I've never seen, I've never read. And it fascinated me because all the story was about was a scientist uh, who went on a hike in Can- Canada in the woods and discovered an organism that basically redefined what the branches of the tree of life were. Two species of these microscopic creatures called hemomastigotes were found in earth collected in Nova Scotia by Dalhousie University graduate student Yana Iglet. Unlike anything found in the animal or plant world, single-celled hemomastigotes are about two hundredths of a millimeter in length and scuttle around using a dozen or more little hairs that they call flagellas that stick out the side of it. They were first discovered in the 19th century but have remained until now a mystery due to the inability of scientists to figure out which kingdom the creatures belong to. Like animals, plants, fungi, and amoeba, hemomastigotes belong to a domain of organisms called eukaryotes, which all consist of cells in which DNA in the form of chromosomes is contained within a distinct nucleus. But unlike microscopic organisms, hemomastigotes move their flagella in apparently random manners rather than coordinated waves. So scientists haven't been able to really classify what they are, but just a scientist on a hike in Canada bent down and found them. Life is everywhere. Life finds a way to grow and to live and to thrive in conditions that are beyond anything that we can comprehend or that we can fathom. And life is therefore bestowed by those things which are mysterious and those things which are what we classify as divine. And in order to understand these things, we give them attributes as gods and as goddesses. In order to understand the changing of the cycles of the seasons, the sun and the moon, the heavens and the earth and hell and everything in between, we classify them as gods and goddesses in the form of anthropomorphic deities. And we use symbols to do it because symbols communicate to the subconscious. And like in magic, through the subconscious, they help us to direct our life through the will and the intention of those wishing to utilize them. In magic, they use the wand to do this for the will and intention, the pentacle for the body, the chalice or the cup for the influences from the divine that are being drawn down and the sword for the sharpness of the mind, which is cutting through the darkness. Today is Imbolc, a very sacred day to many people that practice earth-based religions or earth-based belief systems or earth-based practices that are essentially just 
founded in finding some form of alignment with nature. Known as Bridget's Day, St. Bridget is the Catholic version of this goddess who embodies life. And there really was a St. Bridget who lived between 453 and 523 A.D., But all the things that are associated with her really come from the goddess and not from the things that she actually did. The customs of St. Bridget's Day in the Celtic lands are mostly pre-Christian. Bridget is also known as the Mary of Gale. Bridget has many other associations and many other names. Even in voodoo, she is known as Maimon Bridget. She's the goddess of poetry and healing and the goddess of the forge, that which is to be created, that which is to be formed. She is like Ta on the potter's wheel, forming new life, forming the world. She is water. She is fertility. Fertility, creation, new life, the Kruksan Sata. This is the meaning of life, to create and to grow. It is, in essence, what people say is God's plan. And it's a much simpler, when compared to the complex, and a much more complex which compared, when compared to the simple, concept that is to be understood than most of us would ever think about when we hear the scientific, theological dogmas or the perversion of the sacred mysteries or the secret teachings. And that's what you're getting right here on The Secret Teachings five nights a week on The Fringe FM. And I appreciate all of you tuning in and supporting this show in that way. And all the people who have bought books over the last couple of months or anyone who's ever bought a book, I greatly and truly do appreciate it. It really does support this show in ways that you might not be aware of since we run on such little funds intentionally and we can still get by and produce something that can compete with the content and go beyond the content of million-dollar productions. That's what I try to do here on The Secret Teachings, to bring you something simple, to bring you something that if you'd like to support us to keep us on air, it might cost you money. If you buy a subscription to the show, which will get you access to the archive for the montages as well, and all the digital books, or if you buy a book itself, Occult Arcana, which has all this information in it, or the Technological Elixir, which is in volume uh, edition number two. I'm doing the pre-orders for that now. Or you buy my book, Food Philosophy. All of those things are meant to help. They are the embodiment of a symbol, which is meant to communicate to the subconscious to help you grow. That's the practice of magic. That's what the secret teachings are all about. That's what this show is all about. That's what the books are all about. And when you support the show, you support the very essence of what the secret teachings are. And hopefully it helps you to grow just as it helps us to grow, just as it helps the network to grow. And as we grow and experience and learn, I believe that is really the point of life. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings. If you have any questions or comments on anything, subscriptions, content, email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. That's R-D-G-A-B-L-E 
at yahoo.com. Find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings and check out our website at www.thesecretteachings.info. You can also check out the fringe.fm or fringe.fm for all the other broadcasts on the network and download the Fringe FM app for free for your so called smart or what I call dumb phone. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Time may be up for tonight's broadcast of The Secret Teachings, but don't worry, you can still catch us Monday through Friday right here exclusively on The Fringe FM. You can also subscribe to the show and montage archive while grabbing my books at thesecretteachings.info. To get in contact with us, you can email the show at rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay tuned to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.